Wow, I'm really excited about uh, the series that we're doing at the moment. We're talking about the culture of the church. And uh, we've, we're introducing over the next five weeks the five cultural definitions that we're going to be using uh, to build the church with. And they're going to come up for you on the slide. So we've got <clears throat> honour, courage, authenticity, passion and family. We're going to be unpacking those words over the next five weeks and explaining them to you. Last time we looked at the culture of honour, which is our kind of foundational culture. Uh, It's about receiving and releasing people according to how God sees them. It's just been interesting to have a bit of feedback from people over the week. Do you really mean it? (laughs) Do you really mean it, this honour thing? Because it's amazing. Yes, we really mean it. And we're really serious about it being a foundational part of our culture as a church. And today we're going to be looking at courage, which is about encouraging and celebrating risk-taking faith. And what a great talk to be doing on Father's Day, men. It almost feel like we all need a ooh, ooh, ooh. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> but we won't do that. <laughs> I said we almost need. Uh, but there you go. Thanks for those that participated. A few weeks ago, uh, we started singing that wonderful song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I absolutely love that song. It's just fantastic. I love the words of the song. They're just so meaningful. Uh, and I love the tune as well. But I love it more than anything because it's my testimony. It's absolutely my testimony, that song. Because I realised as we were singing it that first time that I couldn't have really sung that song a few years ago with any kind of authenticity. I wouldn't have been able to sing that song because I was a slave to fear. You know, as a child growing up, I was described by the medical people as being a highly strung child. It's not funny. I was described as being highly strung, whereas in fact I was continually anxious. Um, I was worried about being ill. Uh, In fact, I became quite a hypochondriac because when I was very young, I was very ill and it made me frightened about being ill again, that maybe something might happen and And so all sorts of things would happen, and I was convinced that it was happening again, I was going to be ill again, and the only way that my mum could get me to calm down was to take me to the doctor, and the doctor tell me, it's okay, you're all right. I was afraid of sleeping, because I had a lot of bad dreams growing up, and I had to take medicine to calm me down to sleep as a child. I was afraid of the devil and I was afraid of the dark, and I hated school, and I was anxious about just about everything. (laughs) It's hard to believe now, even for me, looking back, but I know when it all changed. It was when I was about 14, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember my dad just saying to me, you know, you really need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, what? Why? What is that? And I just simply knelt down 
at the side of my bed and I said, Father, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit, please? Because he says in the Bible, he says, if anybody asks, I'll give it to him. And uh, when this happened, nothing particularly spectacular happened for me. I didn't start speaking in tongues straight away. I didn't shake. I didn't fall over. I just felt incredibly peaceful deep down inside me. And for the first time in my life, I didn't feel afraid. Didn't feel afraid. So I'm no longer a slave to fear. That's my testimony. I'm a spirit-filled child of God. And I wanted to start this talk about courage like this because I want you to know that I am naturally not a very brave person. I'm not very brave, but I've learned how to be courageous. Learn how to be courageous. So what is courage then? What is courage? That's what I want to talk about today. It's it's not about being... (coughs) Courage is not about being a superhero. You see, superheroes don't need courage because they've got superpowers and they're invincible. It's not about being a superhero. It's not about being brave, actually. Courage is not about being brave because uh, bravery comes later when fear is conquered. Mark Twain said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. The Oxford English Dictionary says, courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. Wow. (laughs) The ability to do something that frightens you. Harper Lee writes in To Kill a Mockingbird, just to show how cultured I am. (laughs) He writes that courage is when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway, and you see it through no matter what. I like that. You know you're licked before you start, but you do it anyway. And for me, this has definitely been my version of courage. Do it anyway. Do it afraid. But do it. Do what God says to do. And so for me, my experience anyway has been, it's been more like getting used to the feeling of of fear, but not letting it stop you. You see, fear, in my experience anyway, is conquered one challenge at a time. So what does it mean to have a culture of courage? Well, it doesn't mean a predominance of certain personality types or characters. No adrenaline junkies needed. And actually courage is needed because we're not all that brave. Speak for myself. And so it's about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Gentle people making a stand. It's about weak people enduring difficulty and not giving up. It's about a community of people learning to encourage one another as we take increasingly bigger steps of faith. Is that okay? Does that include you? Any weak people, any struggling people, any of those other kind of people? And you see, at the root of a culture of courage is a fearlessness to follow the Holy Spirit wherever he goes. It's about being spirit-led and spirit-inspired. 
As Jesus says, and I love quoting this because that's what I want. This is what I want. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's what I want. I want to have that kind of relationship with the Father. And when you can, but when you consider ultimately what that meant for Jesus to only do what he saw the Father doing, that takes tremendous courage to only do what you see the Father doing. And for all of us, growing a culture of courage is going to mean overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. Fear of failure. Fear of getting it wrong. Fear of the possibility of ridicule or even suffering. I was so conscious of that as we went out on the streets yesterday, just talking to people about Jesus. The fear of ridicule. The fear of getting it wrong. Not saying the right thing at the right time. It takes courage to step out. Simon Holly said um, in their experience at the King's Arms Church in Bedford, he says that fear is the biggest barrier to greater kingdom breakthrough than anything else. He says when we, they started talking about courage, they realized that they were all riddled with fear. That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Think about it. What stops you from praying for the sick? Fear. What stops you from sharing your faith? Fear. What stops you from challenging injustice? Fear. What stops you even from bringing a contribution to the church? It's fear. It's fear. It's fear. Fear and fear alone is the primary robber of our faith. So how are we going to challenge fear and build a culture of courage. Where is this courage going to come from? Well, if you're like me, and you're not a naturally very brave person, then this is a very important question. Where is this courage going to come from? And I want to share with you a a verse that has been very meaningful for me in overcoming fear and moving into courage. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It's a very well-known verse. It goes like this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Now, because this verse is so bold in its claim, I've done research around the back of this verse to make sure, you know. And what I found is that Paul is writing this, first of all, to Timothy, who's really struggling with fear, And secondly, and what interests me most, is the place from where Paul is writing this verse. You see, Paul had every reason as he was writing this verse to Timothy, struggling with fear. He had every reason to be fearful. So he's writing at the time when the emperor Nero had made it illegal to be a Christian. And so Nero was on a campaign to destroy all Christians. His stated intention was to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. Paul, at this point, as writing this verse, was chained up in prison like a common criminal, and he was alone. In fact, his friends didn't even know where he was. They struggled to find out where he was. tells us that in chapter 1. At this time, Paul is alone because many have deserted him. In 2 Timothy 1.15, he says, everyone in the province of Asia, 
That's a lot of people. All the Christians in Asia had deserted him, including some names that I can't pronounce. But Demas I can pronounce. In chapter 4, verse 10, he's left him. Others are just scattered. Crescens, Titus, and Tychius. Tychius. We've got an Italian here who may be able to pronounce that better, but I'm sorry, that's as best I can do. Tychicus. That one. Thank you. Paul also knew at this point in his life that he'd come to the end of his work. His work was done and that he was about to be sentenced to death. Shortly after writing these words, he was killed. So these words are written very much from the front lines. They're not just academic ponderings. Paul was living out the reality of this truth, and he's writing to Timothy at this point, saying, it's okay, Timothy, stir up the gift. His spirit in you doesn't make us timid. He said, he writes out of extremity, writes at the end of his life, where he's endured more than most, and his testimony is this. I've tried it, I've tested it, and I've proved it. His spirit is what gives us courage. His spirit gives us the power to act, to endure, to stand, even when we're afraid. And you see, my conviction and, and what I've worked out in my own life is that courage is a gift of God by the Holy Spirit. Courage is a gift of God by the Holy Spirit. And you can see this from the book of Acts. And some people have said the book of Acts of the Apostles isn't right. Actually, it's the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the Apostles. And the book, if you read the book of Acts, is full of spirit-inspired, spirit-empowered acts of courage. And it records, for example, the remarkable change in the disciples who one minute are locked away in an upper room at the end of John for fear of the Jews, to the next, out on the streets, proclaiming the wonders of God in many different tongues. What had changed? The Holy Spirit had come and filled them. And it's why Jesus said to them, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift. Wait for it before you go out. Wait for it because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you will be my witnesses. What power? What is this power? Well, it's power to act, power to endure, power to stand even when you're afraid. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is all about. And so Paul writes correctly when he says God has not given us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. The gift of the Holy Spirit to us is one of power, love and self-discipline. So in life, in those times when we so need it, God gives it to us or he adds it to our spirit, power, love. And self-discipline, power. Think about power. I mean, power is the opposite of fear. You know, people who are afraid are powerless. They're victims of the object of their fear. Fear binds. It paralyzes. It inhibits. Fear is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of hope. It's the opposite of joy. I mean, there's an, even there's a phrase that says that about being paralyzed by fear. 
Have you experienced that? (laughs) Or being rooted to the spot. Everything freezes and you just can't move because of fear. There's no physical reason. It's fear that roots you to the spot. Like my friend Dave found out because he was afraid of heights and we didn't know it. But we decided it'd be fun to go climbing up a cliff down in Devon. And we didn't know that he was terrified of heights. In fact, we teased him about it, saying, oh, come on, you're not afraid. And we climbed up this cliff, and I think we'd only got about, I don't know, 12 feet, not very far. And he suddenly froze. And there was nothing that we could do to move him. He absolutely froze. He clenched up like that, and he dug his fingers into the gravel... And no matter coaxing or talking or persuasion or teasing or cajoling or even threats would move him from that place. In the end, my brother and I had to get one side and the other and literally carry him down, frozen like this, with fear until he hit the ground. See, Dave's fear had pinned him to the rock and he didn't have the power to move. Fear had paralyzed him. But God doesn't give us a spirit that paralyzes us, but empowers us to act when we need to act, even though we are afraid. Secondly, love. So God's spirit is love and the displacer of fear. Love displaces fear. It's Love is heaven's exchange of fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. It forces it out. It displaces it. So God is love, and his spirit is liquid love poured into our hearts. And this can happen in a moment. So on one occasion in Acts chapter 4, it talks about Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, spoke. Suddenly these bold, courageous words came out of his mind, out of his mouth. And at the end of the speech, the people who listened to it said, Oh my goodness, this guy is untutored and yet look at his courage. The Holy Spirit filled him in that instant. Or there's a a deeper displacement, a a deliverance from fear, an expulsion of fear because love has come in. And as is my own testimony, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but a son of God. But it doesn't mean that I'm never afraid. That wouldn't be, I just felt like I needed to clarify this, to be never afraid is not supernatural, it's unnatural. (laughs) Because actually we need to be afraid sometimes, because otherwise we would die quite quickly. So to be completely without fear is unnatural. But We are to be no longer slaves of fear. When the Spirit of God inspires us and we have to act, then he empowers us to act even though we're afraid, but no longer a slave to fear. And thirdly, God's Spirit gives us self-discipline, or a sound mind is a better translation. So his Spirit is an antidote to fear in our minds, 
And I love what the Amplified Version says here. It gives us several words to describe this breadth of the original Greek word because it has several meanings. It says, God has given us a spirit of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. That's some package, isn't it? There's a whole load of stuff in there. A sound mind. And these could hardly be the words of a mind that is full of fearful and anxious thoughts, but a mind that's at peace. When I was struggling with anxiety, the paranoia that would affect me, it was remarkable. This could not have been described, uh, have used, this word could not have been used to have described my mind in that point. Courage is not a state of unsoundness of mind even or madness but a clarity that comes in the midst of difficulties opposition and fear which then enables us to act you can say to some people you're crazy for doing that standing on the streets preaching you're out of your mind they said that to the disciples on the day of Pentecost you're out of your minds you're drunk there was no other explanation what courage they were showing But courage from the Holy Spirit is not a state of madness or unsoundness, but clarity in the midst of difficulty. So if we're going to have courage then, we're going to have to do battle with fear, but by the Holy Spirit. So are you struggling with fear? Do you need courage? We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? So learn to follow his lead. It doesn't mean that you'll never feel afraid, but by the Spirit, as he leads and guides you, you will overcome fear by doing it anyway. By doing it anyway. I was so encouraged at uh, the Catalyst Festival when Julian stood on the platform about to prophesy, and he does this all over the world. I mean, you'd think he's got it wrapped by now. And he says, guys, it never gets any easier. I was so encouraged It's always frightening to do that. It's always depending on the Holy Spirit, stepping out in faith. So how will we know if this aspect of our culture is working? So at last time, I finished briefly talking about honour and the outcome of our culture, what sort of things we're expecting to see. I want to do the same with courage so that we can begin to see what it might look like in practice. So what does courage look like for us as a community? Firstly, Courageous people feel fear and yet choose to act. Feel fear. So guys, if you're waiting to overcome fear before you act, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry to disillusion you, but it's true. If you ever find a way of doing that, let me know because I'd like to know about it. But as far as I can tell, we're never going to be completely free of fear as we step out in faith. Okay? So that's truth that will set you free from that fear. But there's no doubt about it, if any of us are going to step out in faith and perform acts of courage, we're going to have to overcome this. The feeling of fear. I mean, we can help one another, praying for one another. We can, we can cheer one another on, can't we? We can encourage one another, surround people with courage. We can be like a wall to them as they advance. And there are many ways that we can do this. You know, when somebody brings a courageous contribution, and they're all courageous, you think, I stand up here every week and do this, 
This is courageous for me. Alison will tell you how I agonise every time before I preach, before I lead, before I bring a prophetic word. Whatever it is, I still have to break through that. I'm not saying that so you feel sorry for me, but I just want you to know it never gets any easier. So with every courageous contribution, thank them. Thank people. Encourage them, even if they get it wrong. Even if they completely mess up. (laughs) I brought a word of knowledge a few months ago. I brought three words of knowledge. Two of them were right, and one of them was completely wrong as far as I can tell. And the feedback I've had from people in the church is, we were so encouraged when you got it wrong. And I just think, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I feel rubbish that I got it wrong. But actually, that's true. We need to encourage one another. And when we get it wrong, just encourage anyway. That's what we want to do, because courage is more important than accuracy. And secondly, we can tell our stories of our successes and failures. Successes and failures. I think sometimes in church we can want to tell all the good stories. But I think if we're going to be authentic, we need to be able to tell the stories where we got it wrong as well. Or just do it in front of everybody and get it wrong. Because that seems to encourage people. (laughs) And thirdly, we can double up on risk-taking. Double up. Um, In the King's Arms, they use a phrase called courage buddies or courage communities or something like that. But Jesus sent out people two by two. So commit with somebody. And I've done this, especially as I was beginning to step out in my earlier days, I'd say to a friend, and I'd say, look, I'll pray if you pray. If you prophesy, um, sorry, if you, if you witness, I'll come with you. If you bring a tongue, I'll interpret. If you prophesy, I'll weigh it for you. You see what I did there? <laughs> but make a covenant with somebody. Say, look, Darren, if you step out, I will too. Or Ruth, or somebody. I dare you. Pick on somebody who's really quiet, and then the risk is minimal. (laughs) But let's agree together that here, Jubilee people step out, and we step out with them. When somebody steps out, don't just sit there, but come on, let's see if you can get it right. I've been ministering in churches where they've literally done that. Oh, he's going to prophesy. Let's see. And they'll wait until they've heard a few. And they say, oh, all right then. And then they get engaged. We don't want to be like that. Let's get behind people anyway. When they're trembling, when they're starting out, and let's just get behind them and encourage them. Amen? Because that's what we want to be. That's our culture. Encouragement and praise. Celebrate courage, not success. So secondly, courageous people endure through opposition. Through opposition. You know, we were seeing this when we did the Kingdom Warfare series, and I'd encourage you to listen to that over and over again, especially when you're going through difficult times. But we were learning there that the Kingdom of Darkness opposes the advance of God's Kingdom. Because there's a war on, you know. There is a war on, and we feel it within ourselves. We see it in others, and it's in the world around us. Don't be surprised when these things happen, the Bible says. 
Now maybe you're feeling that at the moment at all different levels. Maybe you're feeling like, I just want to give up. That's warfare. Maybe you're just feeling rubbish for no apparent reason. That's warfare. When you wake up, you know, we all get those mornings, I feel rubbish for no particular reason. That's warfare. That's the time when you put your feet on the ground and say, God, today's yours, let's go and do something. That's warfare. Or when you just feel threatened for no reason. Did you ever get that? I just feel really insecure suddenly for no reason. That's warfare. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going on. He's still God and he's on the throne. Amen? Somebody's going to get excited in a minute. (laughs) But look, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you're in the middle of something right now, don't give up. Don't give up. It's a great Winston Churchill quote, which I wish I'd written down now. But it goes something like, if you're going through hell, don't stop. (laughs) It's true. If you're going through hell, don't stop. But we want to be a community of people who are committed to risk-taking faith. So that means that we're going to experience opposition, but we're going to keep going anyway until breakthrough comes. But that takes courage. That takes courage. And we can help people, help one another to endure by standing with them, praying for them, believing in them. Do you know, I've just got to say, that is so important. What a difference you can make just by saying to somebody, I really believe in you. You are so gifted. You've got so much to offer. You can do this. God's anointing is on you. He's called you. We're with you. Come on. Did somebody need to hear that right now? (laughs) Nobody. Okay. Maybe I was saying it to myself. But, you know, we can help people by believing in them, being an example to them. Do you know when you take a step of faith, others are watching, not just to see if you fail, but to gain courage from your example. Especially if you're wanting to be a leader, take some steps of courage. I was so astounded reading brother about Brother Yun, you know. You don't get to be an elder in any of their churches until you've been in prison at least five times, been persecuted and near death a few more other times. Because they're not going to be able to lead people in the culture that they're a part of. How about that? Being an example. It's important to be discipled, discipling one another, partnering together. And there are sometimes, I use this phrase where you need to paste yourself to somebody for a period of time to help you get through. But do that so that you can do it for somebody else. And thirdly, courageous people stand up for what is right. So what have we got? Courageous people feel fear yet choose to act, endure through opposition and stand up for what is right. You know, justice and standing up for what is right is fundamental to the gospel. And it's even why the Holy Spirit came upon us, as Jesus said, to bring good news for the poor and the disadvantaged, to bring freedom for prisoners, healing and deliverance, for the oppressed. And Jesus wasn't just talking about spiritual changes, but about the transformation of culture, so that we, it begins to reflect heaven's realities, which sounds very big, and it is, but it starts with you and me speaking out and speaking up whenever we see injustice. And that takes courage. 
I love this quote I came across by a lady who I don't know, but it was a great quote, but she's apparently a social activist called Maggie Kuhn. And she said, speak your mind even if your voice shakes. You know that awful feeling when you're speaking up and you're feeling strongly about something and your mouth starts drying up and it starts crackling and you think, I wish I had a glass of water right now. (laughs) Speak up even though your voice shakes. It could be a child protection issue. We've just been talking about the child protection policy for the church. We've done some training in the church and realized that our responsibility isn't just for people in the church, but if we're taking it seriously, it's for our community as well. To speak up when you see something happening in the shop. How about that? Speaking up in work when there's a, when there's a justice issue. I spoke up on an issue in my workplace. Not in this workplace, previously. Because one of the partners was bullying other people and then she bullied me. A very forceful, bullying kind of person. I thought, I can handle this actually because I'm not actually going to take a lot of notice of her, but she is going to really harm somebody else. So I reported her, because nobody else had the courage to do that, but I felt there was such an injustice being done, even if it meant reporting a partner could mean my job. This is really important. It takes courage to stand up when there's injustice in your workplace. Or a family issue, or poverty, all kinds of places. Let me just finish with this. Courage isn't just about big acts and the spectacular leaps of faith. It takes courage just to speak up in a group sometimes. It takes courage to get up and go to work today. It takes courage to encourage somebody else when I'm actually going through a hard time at the moment. But it's also about growing and learning as a community of people how to step out together in risk-taking faith. So whatever level we want to live courageously and to create a culture of courage, but it means that we're going to have to do battle with fear. Because we're ordinary people, but we're called to do extraordinary things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't get any easier, but we can encourage one another and celebrate together as one story after another comes through about another jubilee act of courage and faith. That's how I would like our testimonies to be. Wouldn't that be great? And I think there is just a challenge for courage for us. And I think it's entirely appropriate, as I said at the beginning, that we're doing this on Father's Day. And I'll tell you one reason why. Just after we started the church, nearly five years ago now, Uh, We had a men's meeting. Some of you, I don't know who was there, but we had a men's meeting and Ginny Burgeon came and shared a prophetic word with the guys. And she challenged the men about courage and about taking the lead in courageous acts. And she compared us as a group of men to David's mighty men. But she sneakily renamed it and called it Davy's mighty men. (laughs) But we want to be men of adventure and exploits. And I'm including the women in that too. Just because you weren't there doesn't mean that this isn't a prophetic word that can affect you too. We want to be people of adventure and exploits. But I want us to do battle with fear and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 